Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Hey TCC, I invite you to hear now the word of the Lord from the book of 1 John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. It says this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. We say thanks be to God. Hey, Lord, be with you, Tulare Community Church. My name is Ryan, one of the pastors here at TCC. We're beginning a new series that we're calling John Cubed. There are these four beautiful letters at the end of the New Testament that don't get a ton of play, and we want to throw them in front uh, of all of you right now. We'll spend one week on each of the three, starting with, naturally, 1 John. And in our passage, in the first ten verses of the first chapter of the first epistle of John, we're confronted with a very real, very painful, very true reality about Jesus Christ. The light will set you free. The light will set you free. We'll get back to what that means in a minute. But first, I want us to go somewhere dark. Somewhere cool. A place as quiet as it is spooky. When I was a kid, my dad and I would spend a week up in gold country once every few years. Angels Camp, Copperopolis, Sonora, that area up in the hills east of Stockton here in California. It's not a well-known area, but it's a beautiful one. And it's called gold country for a reason. This is an area that played host to the California gold rush 170 years ago. And as a result, there are these old abandoned gold mines strewn about. More recently, companies have bought up these mines for a different kind of gold, but one that pays just as well. Tourism. Tours of the mines are available, and my dad and I went on a few different occasions. And so you show up, they give you a helmet and a spiel about safety, and off you go. You see stalactites, stalagmites... The light from the lantern of the tour guide bouncing off ancient crystals in a thousand different ways. The air, immediately 30 degrees cooler than outside. These creepy, soft sound of dripping water echoes through the cavern. Equal parts spooky and awe-inspiring. And the deeper you go, the darker, the colder it becomes. Heart rate picks up. Breathing quickens. A twinge of fear runs its way up your spine. Suddenly the tour guide says, grab the hand railing and don't move. The switch is flipped. The lights go out. Darkness. Nervous laughter echoes around the mine, people waiting for their eyes to adjust. But after about 30 seconds, reality begins to set in. 
they're not going to adjust because there's no light at all. If someone held their hand an inch from their face, you'd have no idea. It's alarming. It's unpleasant. The chuckles die off and exasperation sets in as eyeballs try their best to adjust to the literal absence of light, searching desperately for something that isn't there. After a minute, that feels like, um, after a minute that feels like a decade, the tour guide barks, brace yourselves. The switch is flipped once more, the lamp clicks back on, light floods the cave, all would seem to be well, but instead of relief, instead of joy, the primary emotion one feels is somewhere between fury and agony. That light is blinding. In fact, it's horrible. It's even more horrible than the darkness was, you think, and you know it's lunacy, but a part of you feels like shouting out, turn the lights off. There's a reason that the Bible compares light with truth. If given the choice between light and dark truth and untruth, the reality is that neither would be our first choice. We'd all probably like to be somewhere in the middle, thank you very much. Political parties, cable news, academia have all caught on to this desire that we have for both. The advent of fake news, of discussions on, can we even define truth? All that tells us that we'd all be much happier at dusk, right after the sun goes down, or at dawn, right before the sun comes up. Give me half-truths all day. Yes, please. Let me swim around in the swirling pool of maybe and probably or probably not. But if we had to choose, we had no other option, which will it be, light or darkness, truth or something else? Well, if we're honest, I think we'd choose darkness. We would choose the something else. Yeah, it might be hard to move around. We wouldn't really know which way is up. Yeah, we'd be lost, but at least we wouldn't be in pain. At least we wouldn't be covering our eyes, screaming, turn it off, turn it off. At least we'd be comfortable. See, when push comes to shove, two options are on the table. Light or dark. Truth or untruth. And human beings, well, we're pain averse, so we're probably going with the darkness. We're probably going with the untruth. But remember what our passage tells us about freedom. This passage in 1 John is a continuation of last week when we looked at the first chapter of the book of John. These are different books of the Bible, John and 1 John, but they're written by the same guy. And while the book of John is an account of Jesus' life, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, those are all letters written to a particular Christian community. These are similar to the letters that Peter and Paul wrote, for instance, called epistles. And in hours today, John is building on what we heard last week. In verses 1 and 2, in 1 John 1, 1 and 2, he writes, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Remember last week, all of John's talk about the word, remember that? That Jesus was in the beginning, that Jesus was with God in the beginning, that Jesus was God. Now a theme that John wrote about in the book of John is continued in this letter, 1 John. As we looked at last week, 
In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And we see the same theme continued here in verse 5. He writes, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. See, there is light, and there is darkness. And God is light, John tells us. There is no darkness in him at all. Which means that there is God... And there is everything else. There is God, and then there is darkness. Now, verse 6 is where it all comes full circle. He writes, If we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. If we live in darkness, we not only do we not live in light, but we don't live in truth either. Light equals truth. Light equals God. God equals truth. Darkness equals untruth. Untruth equals everything that isn't God. So there is God and there is truth. There is light and then there's everything else. John even tells us we know what that truth, we know what that light looks like. It looks like a man with hail, with nails hammered through his hands and feet ha- hanging in the air on a tree. See, there's Jesus Christ, and then there's everything else. I'm the way and the truth and the life, he said. Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness. Jesus is the truth. There's Jesus, and then there's everything else. I'm not making this stuff up, and you can choose to believe it or not, but the Bible is clear. You can choose light, you can choose truth, you can choose Jesus Christ, or you can choose everything else. You can choose darkness, you can choose obscurity, you can choose untruth. Your choice. Pick one. Pick whichever you'd like, but you can't have both. It is impossible. There is no darkness in him at all. It's not my words. It's just what the Bible says. Live in the light, live when the sun is highest in the sky, or live at midnight with no stars, no moon, pitch black darkness your choice. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did you just say the middle of the day? Do you know where we live? Have you been around these parts over these last few months in Tulare, California? Uh, if those are my options, the middle of the day or the middle of night, I'm going to take an order of midnight with a, sh- a side of shade, if you would. The light hurts. Not only is it blindingly bright, but it bears down on you and there's absolutely nowhere to hide. On the path of recovery to sobriety from any and all addictions, what is the first and hardest step? Admitting that a problem exists at all. Why? Because the truth hurts. I won't sugarcoat it. You want to live a life without pain? Then don't come near Jesus with a 10-foot pole. Because believing in him, that can hurt. Stepping into the light implies an acknowledgement that we've been living in the darkness. It means admitting that we need help. Admitting we can't live our lives on our own. And that stinks. Look, there's a reason that sin is so readily dropped from the vocabulary of theological, of theologically liberal Christian traditions. Without sin, we are in no need of saving. Without sin, we are in no need of a savior. Without sin, we have no need to look in the mirror and admit, man, I need help. It's a heck of a lot easier to ignore our sin, limp along throughout our lives, pretending that we have it all together. 
lost in the darkness, but at least we're numb to the pain. It is far easier, far less painful to live in the darkness. To self-medicate, to numb ourselves with a bottle, a pipe, Netflix, pornography, a newer, new car, endless boxes from Amazon, work, or even something like codependency. The truth hurts. The light is disorienting. But the light will set you free. See, when the lights come on in the mine, in the cave of our life, when we stop hiding from our sin, it'll hurt. It will be disorienting as Christ replaces our old coping mechanisms. We will feel vulnerable, we will feel afraid, but we will finally be free. When we confess our sins, fall on our knees in desperation for a Savior, we are stepping into the light. And we step into the truth in that moment and we step into freedom. There's no other way. And here's the good news. John writes in verse 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Because of what Christ has done for us on the cross, if we confess our sins, if we ask Him to save us, He will. The debt of sin has been paid by Him. When we confess our sins, when we step into the light, we receive the forgiveness, the freedom, that the truth, that the light of the world won for us in His resurrection. And it may be blinding at first. In fact, it guarantee you it will be blinding at first. But the light, and only the light, will set you free. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.